that's what it's all about. It's about partnering, networking, associating, and again, not trying to do it all on your own. I was going through separation and divorce and all these things that I did not want to go through. I'm like, what can I get from these? I'm going through them. I might as well get something from these things that will actually help propel me to the other side. But you, you have to stay curious about what else you can do because there's a whole lot of us that's out here living on our past victories and living that way causes present failure. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help you crush your self-limiting beliefs and embrace being unapologetically you. The Born Unbreakable podcast brings you inspirational stories from all over the world that will empower you to unlock your unbreakable spirit. I'd love to partner with you on your next breakthrough. Go to bornunbreakable.com to schedule a free transformational call. Action begins today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I've been looking forward to this interview ever since I learned about Joel Green because his story, his purpose in the world really aligns with the platform of Born Unbreakable. You know, before we hit record, I was talking to my guest Joel about uh, the fact that people relate to struggle and people relate to adversity because it's something that at some point in our life we all have in common. So I'm really excited for Joel to share his story. But let me just say a couple of things about him. And this is hard because there's so many things to say. Well, I'm just going to do a couple of the highlight reels. But Joel is the CEO of Pro Level Training, the national director of Nike Sports Camps, and a former pro basketball player uh, and a renowned motivational speaker. I'm also very excited because there is a book that is coming our way called Filtering the Way to Extract Strength from Struggle. And uh, I, I just think that's so poignant for where we are in the world right now. You know, there's a lot of struggle, I think, that's happening collectively um, in, in ways that I actually think we've regressed, you know, when we think about things like racism and, and like the divisiveness in politics, it's, it's so, it's very challenging, I think on that level. But on top of that, I think there are personal struggles that people are going through right now. You know, uh, we are in a, in a, some economically challenging times and people, you know, are thinking about the holidays that are coming up and the, you know, trying to figure out the budget that they have for gifts and coming together as family and things of that nature. So, you know, despite that, I do also want to just point out that there, there is a lot of hope. And I think when we, we put ourselves in a position to think about our contribution and our gratitude, we can shift our mindset from those struggles and adversities to what we can do to be uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to others. So Joel, Thank you so much for coming on the show and being willing to share your story. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I know that there, it's exciting to hear about your background. You know, people are hearing pro basketball, you know, Nike, and all of these things that, that make you a person of inspiration. But I understand that you, a lot had to happen before you got here. So I'd love to hear your personal story of, of your background um, that, that kind of was able to lead you to where you are today. 
Well, a lot definitely has happened uh, to get me where I am, uh, but it all contributed to getting me here. You know, um, it didn't just this thing about me. And for those that knows me, they know I don't take any occurrence or anything or even people in my circle coming in, even if it's temporarily, I don't take any of that for granted. You know, I'm, I'm very aware of things, especially nowadays to where if, if anything happens, I'm reading into it. I'm looking into it. Uh, not, obviously not minor things. You know, I, I'm not an overthinker. I used to be, you know, but um, I had to really break free of that. But I really am aware that things don't just happen for nothing. So, you know, even dating back to my childhood, you know, growing up in an abandoned house in, in North Philadelphia, that right there, it, it taught me humility early on, you know, wearing other people's clothes, you know, that were donated to the, to our house and stuff like that. As a child, I didn't really realize the hardship of it because it was just my childhood. It's, that's what I was born into. You know, I lived in, in an abandoned house for the first eight years of my life. So, you know, we had graffiti on our walls and we added to the, to the, quote unquote, artwork. We, me and my brothers would have drawing contests on our walls and we didn't get in trouble for it because it was already graffiti on some of our walls, you know? And it was just, that was life. You know, I was 10 feet away from a shooting when I was six years old and, you know, afraid I was going to get shot like the kid who I saw get shot. And there was nobody else there outside of the shooters and the kid. So I saw things early in life that I wish nobody sees, to be honest with you. But each of those things, fortunately, you know, God helped me escape those things. And I was able to see life, you know, in the cyclic patterns of life early and just see like, okay, bad things happen, but you can turn it into good. Okay, another bad thing happened, we can draw something from it and actually have it help you to produce something good and greater than that bad thing. And that's just what I began doing. Um, not that it always goes that way, bad thing, good, bad, no, but... For me, I I don't I now don't mind leaning into those difficult times. I lost my, you know, tragically lost one of my, one of my older brothers when I was a teenager. Going through things like that, just it, I, I I had to begin to find a way to still see the light of life, like just not just to see the darkness of life. And I just began to say, okay, you know what? The only way I feel like I can do it is by leaning into these dark moments that I've been trying to ignore and run from because. I've been wanting to feel like they haven't happened because they hurt. The moment I began like facing them and getting something from them, the more success I started gaining. So I literally, as you just said, with the name of my book, you know, I began filtering it and literally extracting something from those dark moments. And um, it's, it's been taking me to some well-lit places. I'll say that. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the beauty about things now that I, it's, it's the perspective. And now I don't see all these dark things as bad stuff. You know, obviously, they're, they're difficult times. They're unideal. Uh, I would prefer for many to not happen. But when they happen, they happen. What do I do now at that point? I prefer to get something from them as opposed to just, you know, uh, regret them or complain or cry about them. I, they happen. I might as well get something from it. Yeah. Yeah. You you learn you learn from those those moments of hardship. And I think that everybody, everybody can relate to that. You know, mm -hmm. you don't know when a curveball is coming, right. and especially when you lose someone. Right. right? Most of the time when we think about that, we hope that people st stick around until they, that, you know, when they're old and, mm -hmm. and when we get surprised, that's oftentimes a wake up call. Absolutely.
when when something like that does happen. I am really curious, you know, I, I love Philly. Shout out to Philly. And then Absolutely. you're in Jersey right now, so shout right. out to Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, man, I could really use a Philly cheesesteak right now. <laughs> Look, you and both. You and both. I haven't had one in a little bit, so I'm happy. you make me want to go pick one up. Yeah, you could train, and that could be the thing that you earn, right? Exactly. That you, like, Absolutely. Meal or something. But, um, yeah, like I, I love the movie uh, Creed. You know when I when mm -hmm. when I would see when I would see Michael B. Jordan training yeah. in that movie, um, and then he would go down and eat those Philly cheese. I was like, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's you earn that. <laughs> you have exactly. I, I tell people all the time for myself. I outwork my diet. I don't always eat the healthiest, but I work harder than you know the bad food that I eat. So if I do eat <laughs> cheesesteak, I'll be up at you know five. To, the next morning working out. Yeah, see, um, you 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 know the system. I know, I know, yeah, I know the trick. You know, I, being an athlete right. like you, you kind of you kind of know what it is, and you know exactly what your body's telling you to exactly. be like. This is this you reach your you reach your limit. Now you need to you need to fall back. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, but basketball, Joel, mm -hmm. how did basketball come into your life, and what role has it played? Uh, basketball, it, I loved ball since I was three. You know, literally, you know, saw Team Wolf back in the day in the late 80s and um, saw this werewolf playing basketball. And I just thought it was so cool as a three-year-old. And I had my own little Nerf ball. I literally remember, again, at the age of three, watching this movie, putting the VHS in, the VCR, and just press and play. You know, sitting there, my legs crossed, just watching the movie. And I just wanted to do it. Yeah, I wanted to do exactly what I saw on the TV. And, you know, my brother began to take me, one of my older brothers took me to the basketball court, you know, and just let me watch. He would be out there playing. I would be at the playground next to it, but I would just be watching all the other kids playing on the playground. And I'm just, I walk over to the side of the basketball court. I'm just watching these big kids play, you know, these 13-year-olds. And um, it was just cool. I just always wanted to do it, you know, uh, before I could even reach the hoop on a 10-foot regulation hoop. And, um I, I never looked back, I'll be honest with you. Uh, once I started playing organized ball at about eight or nine, uh, won my first championship, my first season, and gave me a lot of confidence. And I don't think I scored a basket the whole season. Um, but And it was super intimidating for me. I remember that. I was out there. I was like, I was nine years old, actually. And I was out there with 12 and 13-year-olds. Mm -hmm. and um, so intimidating, but I learned so much from those older kids. I kept playing with older kids, and by the time I had to play with my own age group, I dominated, you know, and um, I just kept doing that. I just kept putting myself around better people, and just time and time, when I was 15, I put myself around college kids. Like, it was just, it just kept working for me, so it, it took me far. It took me to Division One as a basketball player. I won titles national championships in college and um, made it to professional. That, that was my dream. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think, you know, and I, I, I love the, the part where, you know, when we're young, we all have this dream and it's, we, we really, and I love thinking back to the time when we're kids because we don't let anything um, stop us. I think it's as we get older, then you start to create limitations, exactly. different experiences that you have that go, oh, maybe I'm not good enough for this. Mm -hmm. There's all better players than me. Exactly. Am I really going to 
have longevity? What if I get injured? And it's all the what ifs. Yeah. It's amazing how knowledge can lead to fear. You know, like you start learning more stuff and education, statistics and past happenings with other people. And that starts creeping into you. Okay, well, that's probably going to happen to me. And it's like, nope. I know that. Well, I had to ignore a whole lot of those things, even just making out of my neighborhood, you know, just basketball aside, like what the, you know, the statistics will say, I'm not supposed to make it out. Um, but again, that comes along with the education. Like you get older, your teachers start telling you you're not able to do certain things and so much you have to ignore. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What for you, you know, in your basketball career has been, one of the most, you know, formidable moments that you can remember that's helped you in terms of where you are in business now? Uh, you know, it's funny. I would say, well, definitely going into my rookie season, uh, which was over in Ireland. So I was undrafted, you know, by the NBA. So I went to Europe and I saw how much I really had to market myself. It was a true business. And I couldn't rely on my agent to do all the work. He didn't know me. I just signed to him. So, you know, for anyone that has an agent, they don't truly know you, you know, until you work with them for a good while. They don't know your likes and dislikes. You can put it on paper all you want until they have true conversation with you and see some ups and downs. They don't know who you are. So I had to realize, okay, you hired them, but you still have to market yourself. And you have to still do your own work and even bring things to the table and not fully rely on that partner um, in this exchange or this relationship. And that's what I, I do now in business, too, as far as, you know, just marketing myself, marketing my brand, marketing our, our camps, our Nike events and things like that. I can't just rely on other people to do so much of the work. Like, no, I got I have to get the work, too. If I want an end result to occur. I need to do all that I can to contribute and ensure that it, it comes about because, you know, um, it's not everybody else's job to do something that you want to have come about. So that was a huge lesson for me. And um, I would say another thing I picked up on was actually post-professional career. Uh, you may see in the background the cheeses box, right? So that there's a whole story behind that, but um, you know, I was the face of cheeses for you know a little bit. I love cheeses. You love? Oh, all right. I, there we go. Eating some cheeses yesterday. I'm not even there gonna lie about it. Was, <laughs> it might have been lunch if I'm being. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, if you don't have them, in, you know, in a little bit, they hit the spot that the perfect, you know, perfect crunchy snack. I sound like a commercial right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was you know just working along with them and, and the Kellogg's family. It taught me networking. I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I, I still play in the celebrity games with them every year. And, I'm, you know, I'm around Shaq. I'm around all these people every single year. And just we, we network. It's, it's such a great environment. And, again, I carry that into business to where I'm like, okay, that's what it's all about. It's about partnering, networking, associating. And, again, not trying to do it all on your own. You know, bringing somebody in that can actually help you to sit down for part of the process so that you can actually have the proper energy when it's your time to work. And that's one thing I really learned is like, okay, sit down every once in a while. And sometimes it may take you hiring somebody, bringing on an intern or actually just partnering with somebody else that's better than you and what you're trying to have come about. And that's one thing I've learned, even just working with 
them and so many others I've had to network with. Yeah. It makes me think about one of the things I think in, is challenging sometimes in business and life and in branding, because if anybody that's listening right now, you are a brand, Absolutely. whether you acknowledge that or not, or because you're you are a part of a company or you have your own company. We we all carry ourselves as a brand, you know, by, by the way that we, we speak, we engage how people talk about us. Like if somebody thinks about you, what are the first three words they think about? That's your brand. You know, if you have humility or if you have compassion or if you have humor, I mean, that's that's your reputation precedes you. And so I think you make a really good point about, you know, having to do the work. And it's not just everyone else, you know, doing things for you. But it just makes me think about because something you said struck me. It makes me think about ego. Mm -hmm. And how important it is to have your ego in check because Absolutely. you have to ask for help. There are experts that are going to need to sit down with you and show you how to do something better than you're capable of. But I do think sometimes in business is something that can get in the way because sure. you want to be, you think you know, mm -hmm. you can do it by yourself, you're a smart person, but we don't do things alone. At least exactly. I don't think most successful people do things alone. So... That, that's one thing I've learned, you know, when it comes to the Googles of the world, the, you know, the Facebooks of the world, you know, all these major, the Amazons of these major, major companies, none of them are doing it alone. You know, they're either buying out another company that will help contribute to what they're doing or they're partnering with another company to contribute to what their overall goal is. And that's what it's all about. You know, you have to connect with other people, you know, and and just become one beast, I'll be honest. I mean, that's just really what it's about. And that's what I'm I'm looking to do in business as far as our expansions around the country, around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want for us to be our own beast, be in our own lane of just, okay, we're our own competition. I tell our team that, look, you cannot focus on what everybody else is doing. They don't matter. They don't, they don't matter. Uh, we, we're the only ones that matters when it comes to our business and our business is about service. You know, when it comes, and that's just really what it is. Now, when I say we're the only ones that matter, obviously our customers are more, are the most important people in the equation. But when it comes to looking business to business, you know, I don't see that anybody else's competition. Yeah. And um, that's a really important focus that I have to give to my team all the time. I'm like, okay, they'll tell me what's going on in the area, what everybody else is doing. I'm like, I don't care. Okay, what are we doing to be our best? It's period. Yeah. And um, that's just, that's my focus. I, I love that, you know, and you, how did, how did this national director of Nike sports camps come around? Hustle, <laughs> a whole lot of hard work. A I whole thought about lot of hard work. I soaked that and I'm like, that's a really big deal. <laughs> a whole lot of hard work. Um, you know, we had one camp, so we, we connected with Nike sports camps in 2011, 2011, 2012. Um, no longer after I, I stepped away from, from playing ball and, um, had one camp, had one camp in New Jersey. And I just moved to New Jersey at that time from Philadelphia and had one camp and, you know, began doing some research for them that they didn't ask me to do. I began finding out some open markets around the country and there were a ton and, um, got allowance to make those moves under, you know, my company, Pro Level Training. You know, we connected and started having Pro Level Training Nike events and camps in these different areas and you know we're able to now 
we're expanding into close to 20 states. So we're in about 18 states across the country and close to 40 cities. And um, it just, and, and we're even in talks with doing some things over in Europe. So we're in Canada as well. So again, I'm, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head right now to where it's just, it took a lot of work. The, mo- the moment we begin to expand, it just kind of gave me the label of, okay, you're, you're a national director because you're not regional or local anymore. And um, took a trip over to the headquarters, uh, at, you know, in Nike over in, in Oregon. And um, things really began to take off after that point. It just was a, a whole nother animal. Uh, I love it, though. I love it. I get to work with the youth, show them what I learned later on in life. I get to show them early. It's nothing like, you know, giving that that head start, you know, to the kids. So um, I love what I do, you know, with this position. It's amazing. So I have to ask because you know Nike is a big brand, and and I think that anybody that thinks of Nike thinks of athletics, thinks of the caliber of training. You know, all like you see the look at the Olympics, you see people wearing Nike because that's like you know it's such a it's such a, a pinnacle of of athletic success. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you know, what is it? Well, first of all, like how do kids get? recruited or have the opportunity to be in a camp and what happens like what is the process once you're in it what do you do and how long are you in it in a, in a you know training camp well the, the beauty of what i do is i'm on the, the developmental side i don't even want to be a part i'm not gonna say i don't want to be a part of the elite side I, i've worked with you know a ton of elite athletes but i love to be a part of the developmental camps that's where the bulk of people are you know as far as elite, it's a, it's a handful. You know, developmental, those are the ones that's aspiring to become elite, which is more than they're, they're not. So uh, our camps are not by invite. You know, our camps are, are open to the public as far as the kids that wants to be a part of it, you know, uh, up to about 18 years old. So that's what I love. I'm impacting these kids that are out here dreaming. You know what I mean? The ones that doesn't have it yet, but they want it. They want it so bad. And they, they see the elites. And they want to be at that level. I'm like, I got you. Let's get in the gym with me. And um, let, let's, let's get to work. And once they're at the camp, we work them. You know, like we, we work them. And that's the whole idea. Again, my company is Pro Level Training. If you think about the name, that's exactly what we're delivering to them. We're giving them a glimpse into what it looks like to be a pro. So the things that I had to honestly suffer through and go through as a pro athlete during my off seasons and preseason conditioning and all those things out in the heat on the track and or early morning, like we're taking them through those things and it hurts. It's tiring. It's fatiguing. But man, by the end of that week, they're like, man, I did it. They love it. And that's what I tell them by that Wednesday, midweek, you're going to be questioning whether you want to continue sometimes. Um, but I dare say, if you get beyond that Wednesday, you'll begin to see the better side of yourself that you came to camp for. So every kid, I feel like I've seen it. Um, I worked with thousands of kids. Wow. And the feedback that I get from these kids, from the parents, man, obviously the, the kids would get on-site feedback all the time. Hey, coach, man, that, that was that was great drill yesterday. Or, you know, I, I really love that. We can do it again. I'm like, no, we're going to do something else today. But the parents, they love it. We put them in the classroom to build their IQ. Um, that's that's a huge component for me, building the mental component for the kids. Basketball, it's a sneaky way for me to get into their heads. I'll be honest with you. Um, 
I'm a psychology guy. That's my degree is in psychology. Yeah. You know, I, I read on psych, psych every single day. So I'm always trying to make sure these kids can deal with things like anxiety, things I know they go through on a daily basis, you know, bullying, how to handle it. We have, we have discussions on how to handle bullying and how we can do it as a group, you know, uh, together. Like that's one thing I was talking to some kids about, like, look, bullying should not be handled alone. You know what I mean? So it was just, we go over so much at camp to prepare kids for life. You know, it's, I tell these kids, look, these teammates are going to be called coworkers one day. You know, your coach is going to be called bosses. These refs out here are going to be called officers in society. So you got to learn how to deal with people now so that once you're, you know, beyond the sport, you can still operate. Yeah. How often do you see the same kids through their growth? Like, do you see a kid as an adolescence and they continue to work with you through their teenage years? Absolutely. I mean, I've had so many full circle moments. Uh, a lot of my campers that may have been in camp since they were 12, right? So even younger than that, let's say 10 to 15 until they begin to age out. Like, again, our camps go up to 18, but you'll see a lot of kids, especially if they, you know, really improved. Around 15, they may begin to step away from our camp because now they're on the AAU circuit, traveling more, things like that. I've had so many kids contact me asking if they can work with us. You know, uh, once they get to college, you know, so I, a few of my interns right now are former campers. So it's a lot of full circle moments and funnels that happen, which is so fulfilling for me because I'm like, man, I, I've kind of helped raise this kid in the sport and, you know, to help develop their love in the sport since they were 10 years old. Now they're sophomores and juniors in colleges and, you know, it's working along with me, seeing the other side of this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's, a, it's so many of the kids that, I've seen literally for for years, for over a decade, you know, I've helped kids get to college and some are playing pro right now, NBA, you know, Europe, and uh, it's no greater feeling to see them like living out the dream that we talked about when they were 11. Yeah. They cried about when I pushed them too hard when it worked out. Like it's, and all of a sudden they stuck through it and they're there now. You know, there's no grat- the gratification is, is nuts. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe, I'm sure. It, it really is. It really is. Especially the magnitude of it. You know, I think because of the mm-hmm. number of, of people that you touch, you get to relive that story mm-hmm. multiple times, you know. And yeah. I think that's what's so amazing about what you do and the arena in which you do it and, and helping youth. Because I, I, do, I do believe that's where it starts. I do believe that that inspiration, the mindset, a lot of the things that we were talking about where you kind of, breakdown mentally mm-hmm. is built or uh you know or torn down by how the kind of support and guidance that you have you know sure. um you know growing up but before i get to because I, I do want to ask you about your book and what inspired that i want to ask you what else are you working on right now so we talked about the you know the sports camps what what mm-hmm. else is on joel green's plate of exciting projects at the moment well, one has something to do with the book, but I'll mention that, uh, you know, as we talk about that later. But, you know, ex- expansion of the company is it's, it's, a, it's a priority at this point mm-hmm. um, to where we just really I'm big on influence. And I, I know that our product is, is so great, in my opinion, you know, uh, all humility. I'm saying that with but I, I've seen what it's done for so many kids. So I'm just trying to have our directors around the country to expand what they do, you know, so that they can get more business so that they can actually generate more revenue and, 
expand their influence. And so that's a major one for me to have us get to the point to where we, we've not outgrown the States, but to where we're being demanded upon abroad. And um, that's a huge goal of mine. And uh, starting a corporation, um, which would likely be a nonprofit uh, pretty soon, I already have the rights to everything called Urban Success, uh, and which spells us. And so um, it's for to help minorities to just, you know, the youth to, to just develop, you know, CEO mindsets and, to, you know, teach them about the stock market, things that I didn't learn about until I was until I was now years old. I mean, like, you know, literally things that I, I just began learning five or six years ago. You know, I love I, I love the, the market, the stock market. And I'm like, why did no anyone tell me about this till I was 30 something? So I want to give these things to the kids. I, I feel like I'm an urban success. So that's why I named it that. And again, with it being us, I just really want to help the minorities, you know, because it's it's where I come from. You don't hear of, you don't even hear of these different, you don't hear about investing. You don't hear about so many things that can help people get to the point of what they admire all the time. I feel like growing up, I was always admiring somebody but was never admired. And I was always admiring somebody every time we drove out of the neighborhood. I'm like, why are we not admiring people within our own neighborhood? What's going on? And so that's what I want to help develop within the youth. Uh, that I want to tap into their mindset and just let them know that they can do the things that they see on TV, see on social, stuff like that. Because um, a lot of them do not think they can. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it's so true. And, and every, everything, everyone's dreams today is driven off of what they see on social media. You know what I mean? So, and it's, there's, there's nothing wrong. I think with, you know, there's always going to be something inspiring that's out there in the world. Like you said before, mm -hmm. for some of us, that was just the TV. <laughs> right, right, exactly. exactly. And, and maybe even black and white TV. If for, you know, <laughs> but you know, now it's everywhere. Now there's, mm -hmm. there's, you know, so many apps that you can scroll through, whether it's Instagram or or something else that you can you can see things from. But I think you're right that what what actually matters is where you can take action mm -hmm. in your own backyard. Yep. What's right in front of you, and yeah. I think that's what makes it more real. You know, yeah. it's within your community, something mm -hmm. that is within your grasp. Um, and 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 so I I want to ask you what inspired you to write your book and what what is it all about what do you want people to know about it well as far as again my book with it being called filtering that's a it's a method that i came up for myself when i was just going through a whole lot of life you know some difficult times uh, about eight years ago and again i'm a speaker so i was speaking about filtering from the stage for years and i would hear people say man that's okay that's i like how that sounds and do you have a book or you no, I have, sorry, I don't have a book. You know, and I would say that year after year. And, uh, but I, I really was big on practicing this, this tool that I developed for myself as far as a way to not just go through things. And obviously I know it's cliche to say, don't go through, but grow through. But I really wanted to find a way. And I mean, that was so intentional about finding a way to take things from my difficult moments that can actually help me. You know, because so many of us, when we go through hurtful, painful things, we want to brush those things under the carpet, put those things away and not look back at them because they hurt. 
So I had to start looking at those hurtful things. I, I kind of, it was daring, I'll be honest with you. Um, looking at the death of my brother and looking at just different moments, looking at, I was going through separation and divorce and all these things that I did not want to go through. I'm like, what can I get from these? I'm going through them. I might as well get something from these things that would actually help propel me to the other side. And the moment I begin to filter, you know, uh, these moments and, you know, get into this emotional brainstorming phase, I begin to see things from five or six different vantage points. I became my own therapist, I'll be honest, and just really having a more objective view point of life and became less emotional uh, amidst a problem. And that was that was the key for me. The moment I removed my emotion, emotional state from my problems, I, I thought clearer. And that's what it did. That was the trick for me. And that's what I began to try to help so many other people with. It's like, okay, when you're going through something, don't say, why am I going through this? You can ask the same question. Say, well, why am I going through this? And really try to assess it. But that emotion will cloud your judgment at that point. And by filtering and breaking everything down and making it more manageable for myself and not so grandiose where it used to overwhelm me, Break, the, the breakdown process helped so much. And I said, I had to write about this. And um, I just said, okay, I have to give people my story as well. So I talk about, you know, growing up in an abandoned home and how we dealt with things, how I had to overcome things and still succeed despite, and how I was still expected to still be on the same level of those that had resources, but me still being without resources and, you know, just how to persevere and, and overcome different things in life and develop foresight and not have to wait on hindsight to reveal all the answers and um, the whole filtering process has been helping a whole lot of people and uh, it's so great to get the feedback that I've been getting back from, from readers of the book. Um, it's been amazing. It just feels good to have it out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it was called upon, like you yeah. said, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that's how you know when you need to fulfill a calling is when it's... Yeah being asked of you before before it's even you know born exactly. but you know I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what you said and, and filtering because I think when things are hard we tend not to want to lean into the hard mm. you know so you mentioned like losing someone I think that's sometimes it's it's easier for us to to just try quickly to move on mm -hmm. but when we haven't processed that then it lingers later and I think the same thing you know I've been through divorce myself and mm -hmm. again it's one of those things where you're just like okay let me just hurry up and try to get through the hard part exactly. but then you know but the beauty is in the the growth is in the pain and I know mm -hmm. that, that you know people are listening and they're like what <laughs> what are you talking sure. about mm -hmm. but you know I I think of the process um um, of, of vulnerability and, and how much you actually grow in that, you know, like mm -hmm. in going through a second divorce for me right. and trying to, try, trying to even understand like, okay, how, how did this happen? What are we learning? Um, my, I, he's my friend, you know, I mm -hmm. feel like, Oh, my ex, it just yeah, has an yeah. application, but you know, we're, we're friends today. And, and he would say to me, you know, I did an autopsy. I did an autopsy of, of, of things in, in a relationship. And these are the things that I've learned. And these are the things of how I've grown. And these are the things that I own to yeah. 
of, of what mistakes I made, what I wish I did differently. And I, I think that that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Instead of walking away from something and going, oh my gosh, okay, like that was a problem. Hurry up, just get past it, get over it. It's it's like go through it. Exactly. Go through the learning. And it does kind of suck. And it does, there is pain. Right. You will cry and you might scream and you might, you know, it's like kind of ugly. Yeah. But at the same time, through that, who you who you become, which is the better version of you on the other side is stronger, more resilient, more self-aware. And like you said, you see things from different vantage points and not just a narrow mind. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and that's, that's those vantage points, it, 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 it opens you up again. It opens your mind, it opens your heart. You know, you're more welcoming to the lessons that may have been meant to be taught. You know, so often when we're closed-minded, we miss out on so much of the fruits, you know, the roses that we can stop and smell. And, you know, we we negate the fact, I was just telling someone the other day that, you know, how 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 much the bad stuff can do for us, right? And, you know, I, I say this often now, but I really believe it. You know, like we weren't meant to fix all the bad stuff. Like the bad stuff was put here to improve us. It wasn't, you know, put here to make us mad. No, the bad stuff has been put here to make us better, to refine us, to improve us, as opposed to us saying, oh, that's bad, that's bad. Let's actually fix that and turn that good. No, let's actually utilize that bad thing to make us better. And the moment I started carrying that perspective, I I see everything differently. I'm serious with you. Um, Things that literally my inner circle of people will complain about I sit there so, so quiet. I, I I just take it all in. I'm the quietest one. And I just let them complain. When they're done, I'm like, you guys are looking at it the wrong way. You got it, but you're, you're missing this part. You're missing that aspect of it. We can actually use that right there. Y'all think that's the enemy in the situation? We can use them. We can use that. And it's it's a it's a beautiful thing when you're able to have four minds within yourself. You know, it sounds crazy, but I think you know what I'm talking about as far as perspectives. And you're just really able to assess things differently. It's like you're a, de- a detective at a, at a crime scene, um, just seeing things from, you know, multiple vantage points. Well, and you're talking to a true crime junkie. Oh, man, okay. There you go. <laughs> Every time I watch, I'm like, oh yeah, you'll see. Check. Right, right, right. Check, yeah, you didn't, you didn't check there yet. It's, it's okay, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. And that's the foresight that I was talking about, you know, developing that foresight, you know, yeah. and that's the, with, again, the whole filtering process. That's what it helped me begin to do. I can step into a room and assess it like that. You know, I can step into a situation and, you know, assess it, you know, decently because in some facet, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at an age now to where I've been through enough cycles and patterns of life to where I can say, okay, actually, I've been there before. I just got to, you know, Say, okay, what did I do before? How did I mess up before? Okay, don't do that exact same thing again. Let me make an adjustment. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's. I think we forget where we've been, yes. right? It may have had a different face, but it was the same exact principles that we can apply. Right. And if we're aware of that, it helps us with the next situation. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I want to mention, because one of the things that I was impressed with, too, was um, your TED Talk. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What was it like? So how did that come about? Was it something that you were asked to do? Was it something that you were interested in doing? Tell, tell me more about that. So that it, it was so organic the way it came about. Um, just before the pandemic, before the shutdown of March of what was that, 2020? 2020? Uh, may have been January or February. I think it was the beginning of February. I met with someone who, who knew I was a speaker already. We were looking to work together just for other business. And he mentioned that he said, you know what, I'm putting on an event. He said, you're familiar with the TED pro, you know, platform? I said, absolutely. And I'm sitting down with him and I'm mentioning something to him. He said, look, there's some people that need to hear that. And um, I said, like, what are you talking about? What are you getting at? And he said, man, I, you know, it would be great if you're interested, if you would want to, you know, give a TED talk. He said, obviously, you'll still have to, you know, kind of um, send me some clips or, you know, something like that of you speaking. I said, I'll do it now. I stood up and actually, you know, run, started running some things off to him right there. This was on the spot. This was on the fly. We already had an hour long meeting and it was just me and him. And um, I was at his house. You know, his kids are running through and everything like that. And um, he closed the door. He said, all right, go ahead. So I just started telling him things that I would speak on. And I started speaking on different topics. And he said, all right. He said, um, let's do it. He said, right, here's where it's going to be. It's not. It's going to be on this date. And so, Ted, you know, all of a sudden I was going to be a Ted, a Ted Talk speaker. Then you know, I started hearing all this stuff going on in China and Italy. And I'm like, what's going on? And um, next thing I know, uh, it was canceled. You know, it was like, okay, it's going to be no... No more TED talk. And I'm like, oh man, I was I was hyped. I was selling people. Normally, I don't tell anybody about anything. I'm such a person of they'll see it when they see it. Um, but I was excited for it. I, I watched TED talks for years, and um, I'm always inspired by them. And I looked them up. And uh, after the world converted and went virtual, after you know a month or two, and that and, and everybody had a virtual platform, they then contacted me and said, hey, look. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it virtual. Um, it's going to be in February. I said, you know what? That's perfect. So I actually changed what I was going to talk about because they told me it would be in February. And it was a, a lot of situations going on. George Floyd just recently happened before that. You know, Breonna Taylor happened. There were so many horrible things that was happening happening on the black side, the white side. It was. The, I felt like the world, our country was going against each other um, and breaking apart at the same time. Um, I felt like we went right back to the 60s, for goodness sake. And so I asked him, I said, you, got, you guys mind if I speak on equality? And they said, this is the perfect platform to do it. That's what I did. You know, I, I went ahead and, and uh, called it Three Essentials to Equality and spoke on that and just gave three steps that can be employed, you know, uh, by everybody, not one race, not black people, not white people, not anyone else. It's just, here's what we can all do to make things a step better, 1% better, 2% better. Like nobody has the fix, but there are things that can be done to make this like one to 5% better. And that's improvement. Like we need, we need at least that, you know, if we do that enough, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. I, I like to say they're, they're just little millimeter shifts. You know, but imagine if we all did that. Exactly. Everyone, 
every day took a little shift to try and understand another perspective because a lot of the work that I do is in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and it's just that. You're not going to move a mountain in a day. Exactly. You can open up the way you look at something in the next hour. No. You know, right. and, you know, with people, if you make that commitment, and I, mm -hmm. I sometimes we don't realize how capable we are of doing things, um, because we're always looking at the the greatest scale of it, which exactly. is exactly chaotic, and it's it's you know a riot, and it's a mm -hmm. mess, and so when you when you think about the problem, which is what the media wants to exploit, you'll mm -hmm. be less focused on the solution. Right. That's, that's the difference is you're you're solution oriented and that's what moves the needle mm. like little, <laughs> little. Right. I mean, it, I, and i'll take that i'll take that that millimeter that shift i'll take it and you know it's amazing how that little bit of movement the the big change that that little bit can make because again it's, if you do that wherever you are where you are can change dramatically Mm -hmm. And like you said, just imagine if more people did that, where they were. All of a sudden, that area can change. That district can change if it's within a school or, you know, some type of, you know, diversity program or whatever the case is. It's just like, you know, you just wish, you know, people were just, you know, more open to change, you know, uh, and, and again, less focused on, like you just said, the problem. But that's what that's what's that's what sells, you know, the problems sell and. Um, that's what's most appealing and attractive is the problems and the, the drama, drama, the, drama the chaos. It, yeah, the chaos is, is, is that's what we want to talk about. Like, oh man, you see that, you know? Yeah. And that's 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 that we contribute to the problem at that point. I mean, that's how you get a stuck mindset instead of a right. you know a a thriving mindset where you're you're right. looking at being innovative and being uplifting. You're just like in the muck. But I want to I want to shift into a couple of questions that just help people get to understand your perspective a little bit better. You know, the title of my show is Born Unbreakable, because I do believe that we have the grit and tenacity to overcome, much like the adversities you talked about with your brother, you know, where you grew up and the different hardships you've had to face. So I want to ask you, Joel, what makes you unbreakable? It's funny. We, we've talked about it um, a ton, but I, I would say it's my perspective. You know, the way I see things, you try to break me this way, I can see it from another way. And I can adapt, I can adapt to that and be a chameleon, to be honest with you. Um, I'm able to adjust very well to, to life. And it's... it's that's a part of the adventure, in my opinion. So I would say it would be my perspective. Obviously, there's a ton of things. I can say my faith, my belief. You know, I would say my perspective because you come at me this way. If I view it the wrong way, you got me. But if I view it another way, maybe the proper way, yeah, you can't even hurt me. Yeah. So I'll take my perspective. That's right. That's right. It's like chess. You have to have exactly. different strategy. You have to have a different exactly. how you to how you look at things. I, I love that. And I do take your point about emotion to be very valuable because I think oftentimes we act in emotion instead of yeah. taking a step back, 
before we make some of the big decisions. So exactly. that's another really good thing that I like that you said. What about what's a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome in your life? I'm not supposed to. Um, that would be one for sure. Because again, where, where I come from, it's, it's a whole lot of that that's, again, I, I don't hate to say it. I was about to say I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it, but it's infused into our, our school systems. Um, it's just unfortunate. You know, I, I, I have to say it. It's, it's things that shows what we're not supposed to do once we turn 18 or 19 and beyond. Like we're supposed to work at McDonald's. We're supposed to work at the local post office. We're supposed to work, you know, as a janitor at the at the school once we graduate. Like that's that's what's supposed to happen. You know, um, and we're not supposed to be the owner of the McDonald's. We're not supposed to be the 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 superintendent of that school. You know, it's like we're not supposed to be at the top. So that was something I had to overcome. Um, and it was taught to me early in life that I can do whatever I wanted to do. You know, my parents, you know, they're, they're pastors. They told me, you know, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So I knew that, I knew that scripture when I was born, you know, like that's probably, they probably read that to me, you know, in the womb. But so I knew that everything that I was told I wasn't supposed to do, or I couldn't do, although I knew the inverse of that I could do, still being a child is, is hard not to be influenced by people telling you you're not supposed to do that. You're not, oh, no, don't, don't worry about going over there because that's not really for you and stuff like that. I had to fight against that. And once I believed and I saw myself actually achieve beyond those negative things, I said, oh, I have my own belief system now. I know what, I'm supposed to do what I feel like doing. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. the supposed to. It's what right. you believe, not what all the noise is telling exactly. you. And that's, yeah, I think that's the journey that all of us are on because their voices will always be there. Trust mm -hmm. that the voices will always be always, there at every turn, no matter how, what you've done in your life. There is somebody in your ear telling you otherwise, and you have to listen to yourself before you listen to all that noise. So I, exactly. I agree with exactly. that. Oh, what about a superpower? What's a superpower that you have that you're really good at that you're proud of? Man, that's a great question. Superpower that I have. Um, in my opinion, I would say empathy. So, empathy, you know, um, I've actually been empathetic towards those that hate me um, multiple times. And I know that's not normal. But what it does is it, it keeps me from being stubborn, um, being empathetic toward other people. It again, I, I'm bringing this up because this, these are things that I've, I've been faced with as far as even racism. I've empathized with those that have been racist against me. I'm like, they just don't get it. You know, I understand that they may have been brought up a certain way. They just may not understand the other side. It's the ignorance that causes the fear that leads to the racism that that causes the hatred. So I would say my empathy, even in business, is what helps our business thrive because I understand what people are going through in different demographics. I understand the inner city 
youth that we may deal with cannot afford our suburban camps. Okay, so what can we do to help them out? I understand that the suburban kids don't have playgrounds to go to every day to play like the inner city kids do. So inner city kids improve faster because they have more people to populate in one playground versus the suburban kid whose playground is one every four miles. So I'm like, what can we do for the suburban kid? You know, okay, let's have some programs out there for them. The inner city kids, let's get, let's have, so just different things to where I've had to be empathetic toward people that are nothing like me, to be honest, um, on the surface or, you know, in the demographic, you know, they come from. So I would say that's a, that's a good superpower for myself. Yeah. I wish more people had that superpower. <laughs> that would be nice. I think nice. the world in the way that we approach situations. But I think I think that's amazing. And with your certainly with your background with psychology and the way that you understand how people think and behave, it 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 really brings that out in you, you know, the, the empathy. So I have to ask, what is something that's on your bucket list? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, bucket list. Going to Africa. You know, I it's, it's, I am one that I'm very curious about life and curious about a lot of things. It's like, you know, if I had a second superpower, it would be my curiosity. But um, I, I just, I've read so many things. I love history as well. So that's a huge thing for me. And so much of what I read has origins in Africa. And I'm like, I got to see this stuff for myself. I want to see Jerusalem. I want to see all these places. I want to see Madagascar and just see the, the rain, the rainforest and just the beautiful rainfall, waterfalls. I want to see all these things. And so much of it, you know, Egypt, I want to see all, all this is in, in I got to go to Africa in order to see these different things, the pyramids and all these. So um, that's a bucket list for sure. I love it. I love it. There and there's a lot to see, so I'm I'm sure that's going to be a um, a multi trip, yeah. experience right, right. over the next years. So I like that, um, Joel. If there was one last piece of advice that you could give to anyone listening, what would it be? It would be what I just alluded to as far as my second superpower. Uh, stay curious. You know, if, if you want the best out of yourself, I mean this too. If you want the best out of yourself, you you must stay curious because you're going to achieve. You're going to achieve things, you know, from your first level of curiosity. You're going to because you're going to keep learning what you can do and you're going to reach it. But once you reach it, you don't want to become complacent. You don't want to rest on your laurels. You have to stay curious to say, OK, what else can I do beyond what I just did? You know, don't, you can celebrate it. Absolutely. Pat yourself on the back. But move on, even from your own achievement. Let, let everybody else push you on their shoulders and, and raise you up and, and laud you and everything. But you, you have to stay curious about what else you can do because there's a whole lot of us that's out here living on our past victories and the, living that way causes present failure. So you have to make sure you're literally saying, okay, what else can I do now? Okay, now I did that. Okay, now what else can I do? But okay, now if you're done with seeing what else you can do, what else can you do for somebody else? But no matter what stake here is, that's going to allow for success of success. I think that's so true. It's funny. It's like it's like watching those movies, and you see people when they're like 20, 30 years later from when they were all the things, 
in high school, but oh, exactly. in it, they're like, well, back then. Right. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I, I think, I know that's exaggerated. That's the point of movies, you know, it makes us laugh, but, but I think that's, that's kind of true. It's right? true. Right. Where you were in your golden days mm -hmm. and you ran your fastest and you were academically admired and all these things. And I remember then, I those seven touchdowns, and, you <laughs> know, right? it's like just random, random stories, right? You're like, oh, when was that? Oh, 20 years ago. Right, oh, exactly. yeah, really good. I really like the, you know, the trophy that's kind of dusty back there. That's good. Right. Um, you know, but it's but it's true. I think, you know, we we our best years are right now. Yep. That's always the answer. Exactly. It's because now is what we have, right? The past is what we can admire. The future is what we can be hopeful for, but the present is what we can we can influence this moment. Exactly. And if we don't, if we don't do something about that, then we're we're not doing a service to anything to ourselves or for any person. But um, Joel, where can people find you? Because you are a person of inspiration and motivation. I know people are going to want to see more. Where can they go to do that? Well, I'm on Instagram often. You know, nowadays uh, you can find me on there at J Green PLT. That's uh, J A Y Green PLT. Um, I, I love to engage. That's my thing. You know, if it's through a DM, you know, on a post, I, you're going to see me on there engaging. And um, I'm also on Facebook. You can find me on there, Joel Green Official. And uh, again, this for me, it really is about influence, impact, where I can help. That's what I'm here for. Um, I'm not one to ignore an opportunity to help somebody out because I've had so many people help me out to get to where I am and honestly to get me where I'm going still. Um, but I'm at a place now to where it's, it's life, not, it's not about me anymore. And I've accepted that. And so um, it's opened me up to so many other people and helping other people, the fact that it's not being done for me. So um, definitely love to connect with you guys as well. That's amazing. I love that. When, and, and I do believe that when it's not about you, things change dramatically. For sure. Sure. Joel, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. This has been so amazing. I appreciate it. I really appreciate the, the, the opportunity. This has been great. Welcome to the reflection of episode 128 with Joel Green, my amazing guest. And if you're watching online, I just want to point out the plant that I have. Thank you to my good friend, Maxine. This was one of the gifts that she gave for closing on the investment property. So that is another fun business of mine, Stay Dorado. If you are looking for a place to stay in Las Vegas or a place to do an event, hit up your girl, hit up your girl. That's a whole nother adventure uh, that I'm embarking upon. But what we're here is what to do is to reflect on this interview. And I really wanna leave you with this. I appreciate everything that Joel said about perspective and empathy. I really actually think those things go together. And it's evident that he's very good at that. And he's acquired those skills through his experiences and also through business. And I think they go a long way. When you can have empathy for other people, even when they don't understand you, even when their mind is a little bit closed. You're helping them to maybe begin to see another perspective. They may not understand it today. They may not even understand it tomorrow, 
but what you are doing is planting a seed and maybe with a little watering, that seed can grow into a perspective that helps them to understand and see the world just a little bit differently. I believe that we're all in a position where we can see the world just a little bit differently. I'll be the first to admit, I know that I, I see the world in a certain way because of my belief systems and things like that, but you know, it's important because of what I do as a podcast host, as somebody who does coaching and consulting, is to come to conversations with a blank canvas, particularly in a setting where I'm coaching because it's not about what I think or even what I feel about a situation. It's about what's best for what that person needs, what's gonna help them to grow, what's gonna help them to achieve what they wanna achieve. And with that comes the ability to empathize and rationalize perspectives that sometimes are beyond your own. So I'd encourage you as you reflect on this episode with me, what may you have to gut check about your own perspective? Where could you use a little bit of expansion? Think about that as you move throughout your day. How can you show up a little bit differently to open yourself up to a little bit of other ideas despite the discomfort so that you can expand? I really hope that you got a lot out of today's episode with Joel. Do check out his book. Look at the show notes for all the links where you could reach him, where you can get his wonderful book. Um, You know, I think we're, we're, again, like I mentioned, in a time where people are struggling. Once again, his book is called Filtering the Way to Extract Strength from Struggle. Uh, I, I think it's worth your while to be inspired by him. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the Born Unbreakable podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share this episode with somebody who may need the inspiration today. Remember that you are your only limit, so take action, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast. Thanks for being here.